Hey, what's up? It's Jax from Plastic Action, and you're listening to the world-famous Toy Photocast. We are storytellers. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Dega Bidays, coming at you with some incredible information regarding Patreon. Most of you guys already know that we are on Patreon at the moment. We're getting content out there for you guys to be able to dive in deeper and to be able to do some things maybe that this kind of format that wouldn't allow on on Spotify or iTunes or we can kind of do some different engaging with you guys. We want to give you some some stuff that's really uh, valuable to your to your journey as a toy photographer. So I want to give a shout out to our first Patreon uh, member Stephanie Beyer. Thank you so much for, for being a, a member of the Patreon community. So you guys, if you want to be a part of the Patreon, all you got to do is go to our link in our bio on Instagram or in the show notes of this podcast and everything will be there for you guys. Just click on that. There's three different tiers. Um, everybody that joins the Patreon is going to get episodes before they come out regularly on Spotify or iTunes. So that way you can get the information without ads and you can be able to get a little bit deeper as we go along. We're going to be adding some great content for you guys. So check it out. Come on to Patreon um, and we'll see you there. Peace. Three, two, one. What's up, everybody? This is another episode of Toy Photocast with the one the only Mr. Lost Star Wars, a.k.a. Bill Junowski. What's up, man? Not much. How you doing? I'm great, dude. I'm such a big fan of yours and everything you do with your accounts. And you also run the Dork Lair uh, podcast and Instagram. So you got a lot going on. And I'm excited to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You're welcome, man. For a little a little uh, trivia uh, for some people out there that don't know this, um, I actually was on your podcast a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and that was my first podcast I ever did. Yeah, I think that was um, that was what like late 2017, probably. Mm-hmm. That was a while back, right? Yeah, that was right after Last Jedi came out. Yeah, so that yeah, so late 2017, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was maybe January. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So a little early right 2018. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Nice. So yeah, dude, it's it's been so cool to kind of watch your progression with everything you're doing and the way the show and uh the the podcast has kind of evolved over time and it's it's just amazing to be able to see how dedicated and and diligent you are with that thing, man, cuz it it inspires me to keep up with my stuff too. So Yeah, I think the the weekly uh i actually that year 2018 mm-hmm. um we actually did a full year of weekly episodes so we oh, recorded wow. every single week that full year i remember at the end of the year going back and like double checking and making sure and i was i was really kind of surprised that i pulled that off um it didn't happen in 2019 and <laughs> I, i'm much less dedicated to every week now but yeah. But yeah, I I try to be pretty consistent. And one of the one of the influences for me was the um Action Figure Blues podcast. Okay. Who have been consistently recording episodes of their podcast since I th- I think 2013-14 somewhere in there cuz I started listening to them and they already had a 
a backlog library back in 2014. So they were like a big influence for me. I even stole some of their format and stuff like that. (laughs) But um, yeah, those guys were a huge influence for me for that, especially for that consistency and just like putting out something all the time. That's awesome, man. So since you've been doing it for a while, do you feel like since you haven't done it every single week, is it help with having a little bit of break in between to kind of give you a fresh, um, a fresh perspective when you take a break or is it, what's your kind of mentality with it now with the podcast? Well, a lot of the reason for taking breaks and stuff like that now is because I started a YouTube channel Okay. and, um, so the YouTube channel takes up quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And so in 2019, actually, that was, a, I put a lot of emphasis on growing the YouTube channel and, and doing reviews on YouTube. And um, I, I think pretty much that whole year, I did almost two videos a week. Uh, I put out almost 100 videos in 2019 wow. um, just to kind of get off the ground and stuff. Now I'm, I'm dropping back to once a week. And so there was a point where I was sort of like trying to decide. This was right before that whole COPPA thing, right? Yeah. So like around September, I was I was trying to decide if I wanted to like just go every other week pretty much for the podcast so that yeah. I could continue to focus on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's that was basically the plan. I was going to start doing that. And then all that COPPA stuff, all the stuff where YouTube changed their settings and really like kind of like doused the spirit a little bit of a Mm. lot of just YouTubers and stuff. And ultimately, like day to day, it ended up not being that big a deal for people who do videos that are like targeted for adults, collectors and stuff, even though it might have characters that are like Spider-Man and stuff. Um, But like it just kind of like took the wind out of the sails at the time. And I yeah. kind of refocused on trying to go back weekly, mostly for the podcast and then just doing like once a week for the, for the videos. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like, that's part of the thing. Like, I don't know that, you know, taking breaks has <laughs> freed, freed up time. Really. <laughs> I've just been filling that time with like YouTube videos. <laughs> okay. I've got you now. Yeah. So with the COPPA thing, man, like, is that starting to, is that an effect right now in 2020 or what's the deal with that? It is. And yeah. from what I can tell, based on some of the like clarifiers that came down from the FTC and from YouTube, basically, uh, if you, unless you have a channel that, that really, really is targeted for kids, like mm-hmm. that's meant to attract kids primarily and your audience is kids and you're hoping to advertise to kids and it's it's all really kids like unless it's that mm-hmm. um you, you're pretty much going to mark it as not for kids because the clarifier was that if it's if it's a general audience and primarily your audience is grown-ups even though some kids might see it it's it, the general audience setting is not is is to them is not made for kids so okay. So I think like most of the channels, like, um, you know, like the toy reviewers, like, yeah. like Dork Lair, like Unparalleled Universe, like Toy Bro, um, probably even, Foosh. People, yeah, like Foosh, like most of those I think are 
are in that like general audience and don't really have to worry. Um, I have an extra layer of <laughs> um, protection because I am not monetized. So oh, okay. I, so like, there's no way for them to take any money from me ever because I'm not actually making any money. <laughs> gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So like, I, that's kind of like this extra thing. Like, I kind of, I you know, they they talked about how their fines are going to basically be reflective of the earnings that people make and I don't mm. make any earnings. So, okay. So yeah, it, it's, it was a big deal. There was a lot of panic and speculation and there was a lot of lack of clarity. And yeah. I still think it's really devastating for a very certain segment of channels, Lego, like Lego brick builders, like anyone that was kind of targeting kids mm-hmm. and that, you know, that actually has kids content. That was that would be you know technically it's supposed to be on the YouTube Kids or whatever but anybody who was making a lot of money doing that doing those things are screwed because they had to change their settings to made for kids and then it really changes the way their videos get searched up and um, I, I think that they're heavily impacted by it but it's still pretty early to tell how that impact is going to play out for them I think okay I'm glad you're able to clear that up man. Because there was a lot of disinformation about that stuff, and I think for people that do it um, on the daily basis, like you, and it's good to be able to hear that. Hopefully, that it's not going to really affect your channel. Um, I I think that with with Kappa and with this YouTube thing, I don't know what like platform we could all of us move over to. Because I'm considering putting the the podcast on YouTube too. But once that those news that news broke about cop. I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know. Cause I wanted to monetize it, but yeah, I've got a lot of thinking to do about all that kind of stuff, but yeah. Um, um, well, one way or another, you should put it, you should start putting it up. Okay. Um, even if you're just putting the audio for now, yeah. Let that be a place where people can get it because it takes a while to become, to, to hit the numbers for monetization. Right. Okay. So like you're going to have to pick up your first 1000 followers and then you have to have, I think it's 4,000 um, hours, 4,000 hours. I mean, there's like a certain number of watch time in mm. the past 12 months that you have to have. So, you know, even before you're monetized, it's, it's, you're going to have to build up a big audience. And gotcha. that took me, that took me about a year of like twice a week videos to get to even that point. Um, so yeah, so it's, it takes a while. YouTube is so finicky, man. Like I've noticed that some of like the people that are like putting out content like every single week and then like they take a while to get traction. And then like you have like those random channels that get like, just they go viral and like with two videos, it's so weird. Yeah. yeah it's the algorithm, right? We talk about that yeah. with, uh, with Instagram too. Yeah. It's so weird. <clears throat> Well, dude, let's start it off, man. So how yeah. long have you been doing toy photography and um, what was your background with collecting? So around 2014, I, I, I really started collecting figures. I've always been a collector. In fact, pretty much my entire life, going back to the, the middle 90s, I've been a big Magic the Gathering collector. And gotcha. so, you know, over the years... Um, I, I I never played like competitively. It was always just my same casual group and we still get together and stuff. But over the years, like the collecting changes and stuff. And then in 2014, I became a dad 
and that kind of changed a lot in terms of like getting together with my buddies and playing cards and playing magic and um my friend who used to work at Hasbro shortly before then uh and used to get crazy good deals on like boxes of sealed magic and stuff uh he he left Hasbro and so like that source dried up and that was one of the things where okay so I wasn't really collecting magic magic as much um and then I became a dad and I was kind of like you know hold up in my house a little bit more and I started kind of collecting some you know like loose vintage Star Wars stuff and getting into figures and then found the the uh the black series and from there just started collecting and as I was kind of getting into uh like online groups and stuff like that I started seeing people taking pictures of their figures and I decided to try it out for myself a little bit and like I'm not because I've been a regular podcaster since for pretty much that whole time because back then back then I was podcasting for a a, a, a an app called Star Wars Card Trader um hmm. and and so that was my first podcast and because I've been generally doing stuff like that this whole time like I've never deep dove into toy photography per se I've mm -hmm. consistently taken photos of my toys but I've never gone super deep and like tried to develop my skill set and like my setup like I literally have the same exact setup I've had <laughs> of like lighting and background and stuff for yeah forever um but yeah I mean I've been taking pictures of my toys since 2014 I started my Instagram lost Star Wars in 2015 uh early 2015 and started posting on there so like if you find lost Star Wars and scroll to the bottom you'll see some of my early like black series pictures but um but yeah like right now I'm actually kind of phasing out lost Star Wars because for a while I was trying to manage two accounts and I just it's 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 a weird mess and I'm I'm just gonna start really just focusing on my dork lair um yeah Instagram but yeah yeah I think it's it's definitely hard to to kind of focus on multiple accounts at once and to be able to do them all like with the same level of enthusiasm and passion like because then you get kind of diluted as you focus on different things and you get distracted I I can definitely sympathize because I've got way too many accounts and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's something to like, I'm always thinking about it and I'm sure you are too. Like, like what's your next post? Like how are you going to engage your community and the people that follow you? And so, yeah, I, I totally get that. So um, with that being said, who are your, some, who are some of the biggest inspirations for you um, when you started out doing either photography or just collecting and, and news and what kind of inspired you to kind of do what you do today? Uh, well, like I said, I mean, in terms of my podcast, it was definitely uh, the action figure blues podcast and um, for pictures and stuff, it's like going far, that far back. It's almost hard to remember who I was following back then and who was like sort of inspiring me. Cause mm -hmm. a lot of that was on Reddit. A lot of, a lot of like my, sort of my community at that time was on reddit and instagram was really just this kind of side thing but like thinking about people now who i really like whose pictures i really like to view um i really like um spencer witt who yeah. he, he does a lot of his pictures where he has the the like behind the scenes you swipe over and you see the behind the scenes and i really like people who do that kind of stuff because 
like I said, I haven't been like spending a lot of my time advancing my craft and my skill in terms of my photography. And so it's really nice to see that stuff because it can help me grow and learn new stuff. Um, one six shooter, Trevor, like his, I really love what he does with Mythic Legions. It's like one of my favorite lines. Yeah. And his Mythic Legions photos are just, they're outstanding. They're just so incredible. They are. Um, another one that's like been a big influence on me in terms of, uh, especially like the YouTube stuff is uh, Wade Merrick, the Unparalleled Universe. His channel is hands down my favorite uh, YouTube toy reviewer. And he's been super supportive of me as a as a reviewer, and his photography is incredible. And I really like his Instagram feed because it, it's it's similar to my Dorclair feed, where there's like information. There's here's a new figure out of the box. Here's some news. Here's a deal. Like it's it's a nice mix that I like that kind of mix. I I I'm not straight up just always looking to see. Um, art per se like i yeah. like seeing like a nice mix of of stuff like that it's fun that's awesome man I, I love all those people that you mentioned and i think that's one thing that uh unparalleled universe does so well is like like you said he has all that different uh amount of of media that he's able to give his followers and people can engage and i love those box picks man i don't know why they're like eye candy to me like whenever like the new either mezco or figure arts like they has that that box pick and I always have to click on it just to see what's in the box <laughs> man um so when you first started out doing photography and and news and and collecting you probably have changed uh since then so how do you feel like your format and your focus has changed since you began and proved your craft um I uh, that's a good question how has it changed like I said in in many ways it hasn't changed a ton because mm -hmm. i generally keep my um i generally keep like my little like photograph area the same setup mm -hmm. um because every week i shoot a uh a thumbnail and i i'm like really obsessive about my my podcast thumbnails and so really like a large chunk of my toy photography is my podcast thumbnails which is just a blackout background and showcasing the figure you know and I, I i photograph it in a way that leaves a space so that i can put the logo on there um and so i generally have a dark setup i generally will have either a box casting shadow so that i can do the do that um you know that thumbnail photograph or i have my hex backdrop that if anybody's ever seen any of my youtube reviews would recognize as my background and a lot of my photos so a lot of stuff gets taken there whereas in the past i would do more like i have a few little diorama things like space walls and um i have some some like sh figure arts um like hall armor pieces i have like a few little things and i want to get more and start doing more like like storytelling type stuff like you guys talk about on here yeah uh, but generally it's almost like just straight up product photography for me yeah um and i'm yeah i mean i guess i'm not sure i've developed too much i mean like my process is maybe a little bit different maybe a little bit more streamlined and i've been able to play with lighting a little more i think i'm a little better at creating shadows and uh just kind of lighting my my stuff uh but 
but yeah, I mean, I'm still in essentially a beginner toy photographer when it comes to creating stories. Well, I mean, I, I do love and appreciate how well you capture the figure that you're able to, uh, talk about each week on the episode and you you really do man have a great sense of lighting and that always comes through in your photos so i don't think you're a beginner at all i i definitely think that you have a a a good skill set and a good knowledge about it and once you just apply those those things you already know to to different methods it'll just be like you know riding a bike it'll be easy right Um, yeah i'm i'm like an informational photographer essentially right like i i tend to like here's what the figure looks like here's a pose it can do here's how it looks with other stuff here's a head swap things like that is kind of what i like to do yeah for sure so since you since you do that so much is that how you want to continue the podcast in the in the door claire do you want to continue doing that format or since you want to uh start incorporating different storytelling elements. Is that something that you're going to focus on more in the future? Yeah, actually. um, Like one of the things that I've been trying to kind of plan out a little bit is updating my lighting. And I messaged you actually a while back with your opinions on some lighting options. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be updating my lighting and working on uh, making it so that I have a little more versatility and I can create different effects with the lights, especially colors and casts and stuff like that. Um, and then I also want to start doing some diorama stuff. So one of the things I'd love doing is building the model kits, especially those Bandai Star Wars figure yeah. model kits and stuff. But I want to start doing a little more craft kind of craft stuff. Okay. And um, like maybe building some, you know, like I'm going to probably start with some walls and things and then just try to get some environments for my for my figures and and yeah, do that. That's kind of like my photography goal for for 2020 is to get a little bit more into like dioramas and kind of like change more variety in my lighting. Awesome, dude. I can't wait to see what you do, man. Well, let's talk about your setup, man, and the things that you use to take those photos, because this is a new segment I do now where I talk about your camera and you talk about you're going to get some new lights um, just so people can have a reference. And if they want to purchase the things that you use. Yeah, so uh, my camera right now is a pretty much a starter um, Rebel. It's a Canon SL2. It's their smaller sort of uh, DSLR. Mm-hmm. And then I I'll, pretty much all my picks are with a 24 millimeter F 2.8 lens. Uh, it's like, just like your a pancake lens. It's very inexpensive. The whole setup, like the body plus that lens is probably like five to 600 bucks. So it's, it's a pretty basic thing. I just, yeah. I, I tend to like buy things that are going to be super practical. So it's nice to have a, you know, an SLR that I can, that's pretty compact that I can take with me and, you know, pull it out at Christmas and stuff like that. So I have that, uh, Canon, I generally have it set up on a tripod, uh, cause I do a lot of low light stuff mm-hmm. and my, my weekly, like my weekly thumbnail, I, this is a pretty good tip for anybody who wants to try to make a black um, you know, a blackout background and just have showcased the figure. 
I cast shadow by having a box with the front of it cut out and I have the inside of the box. Either I'll line it with some paper or um, spray paint it black or whatever and put the lights to the side of that opening and light the figure outside the front of the box and then the background is completely blacked out. You know, you can do that with any sort of black background and just creating shadows and lighting the figure and just casting shadows on the black background. Um, and that's kind of the general setup I usually have. Um, I do have a, a, a piece of glass on the floor of my camera area that I have. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I use that with my, I have kind of funny thing, like my background that I use for like my videos when I'm doing toy reviews is like this sheet of plastic that I pulled out of a like yard wagon that I had in my yard, like just like a yard wagon that when I got it, it had this brand new little sheet of plastic that I was like, why would I want that in there? So I took it out and stashed it. Um, and it's become this background and it's kind of like the signature <laughs> look of my, my YouTube channel, but I, I really like it. I, I don't know. There's just something unique about kind of going black. Whereas a lot of the, a lot of reviewers either have dioramas in their setups or they have like, uh, like a very vibrant purple or orange or something. Um, I feel like my signature is the black hex yeah. thing in the background. It is. It's definitely your signature. That's cool. Um, and then let's see. So what else do I have? So I just have two desk lamps with, um, I made like um, diffusers out of like tissue paper and, and I just cut holes in like square, uh, like foam core. And I just have those kind of set up and I can move them around a little bit, uh, but that's pretty much it. It's just diffused white light that I pretty much take all my photos with. So that's one of the things I'm going to be upgrading because I just ordered the um, Loom Cube. I ordered two Loom Cubes, and then I ordered the the like all modifiers setup. Yeah. So I got two Loom Cubes on the way. I actually just ordered those the other day, and. Um, and then I have the all those modifiers. So I'm going to have a lot of fun changing up my colors and stuff with those modifiers. Did you get the 2.0 or the 1.0? 2.0. Oh, man, I'm jealous. I haven't I haven't tried the new 2.0 yet. I've heard it's amazing. You're going to love it. Um, so for the listeners out there, uh, I'm sure I, – I know you know this, but for the listeners, this is – Actually, uh, you're the person actually got me into Mezco, and I was about to ask you your favorite line of figures, and I want to say it's Mezco, but um, you're the one whenever you started your podcast and, and you had kind of transitioned from doing just SH figure arts and started incorporating different lines of figures, mm -hmm. uh, you really hooked me like hook, line, and sinker on Mezco. And I was like, well, if Bill likes it, I've got to try it out. And so I think my first one was the Ascending Night Batman, and that's yep. what kind of inspired me to do an Instagram feature page because I didn't see anybody out there doing it. And so I was like, you know what, I'll do it. And so I got to give uh, thanks to you, man, for making me obsessed with this line of figures. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a great line. Um, it is. It's, it's so good. It, it's one of those things where like, it's instant fun. Like you take a, they, they come with so much stuff. You take it out of the box. Generally they have a ton, especially their Batman figures, like the ascending Knight or the sovereign Knight, Like, and there's just so many options, so many different ways you can set it up. It's even got a flight stand already with it. Like it's got everything in the box. It's like this one total experience and they're expensive, right? Like yeah. $80, you 
now they're even 85, but but man, they are so worth it. They're just a lot of fun. They are not actually, believe it or not, my favorite line, really? even though they've occupied a lot of my time. I still find SH Figure Arts Star Wars to be my my favorite thing. Um, nice. But my trio, like my trinity of of lines, is you know SH Figure Arts Star Wars, which I just it's the line has just slowed down and the releases are so fewer and far between that you're going to see a lot more Mezco on, on my um, feed, but just because there's more Mezcos coming out generally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so SH figure arts, star Wars. And it's funny. Cause that's the only figure arts I collect is the star Wars stuff, but that's <laughs> nice. it. Like I, I love, I love their star Wars stuff. It's, it's my favorite. Oh yeah. And then, um, and then Mezco and then mythic legions and mythic legions is actually, I think volume wise, like the number of figures I've picked up over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, I would have to say mythic legions. I've picked up more than anything else. Part of that's the price. Like they're 35 bucks, you know? Um, but part of that is just, it is such an awesome, awesome line. And I do, I tend like my kind of, I hate this word fandom, but like my, my, my like fan, like I've always been way into fantasy stuff. Yeah. more even more so than like comics and so like like mythic legions just hits this place for me that nothing else can and i'm actually like i'm super pumped for that that conan mezco because like that's mezco kind of like really their first foray into fantasy so i'm super pumped for that and i hope they kind of go more into that stuff but yeah those are my three nice man that is so cool i know that the people that listen to your your podcast on a weekly basis they already know all those those answers so for my listeners that's why i wanted to to get those those questions to you man so um during your podcast and during your uh journey as a reviewer um do you have any moments that you're like you really see as like a big win for yourself do you have any moments you're like man i really feel like i'm i'm gaining momentum this is something i really enjoy doing and um is there any like shout outs you want to give to your uh, like some of your favorite episodes along the way? Um, I, I do have to say that there was this one point where the when the Mezco dark side came out, mm-hmm. I was really it was only in the first like two or three months of my YouTube channel. And um, when I did that review, uh, I should share with you a picture of just like the analytics graphic of it because it's okay. it's it's funny like it, it it just like outperformed everything by a thousandfold. It was like my one video. It didn't go viral, but it had so many more um, views and stuff at the time. Like in the first 24, 48 hours, and I think a lot of it was because I was the first person to have a review up of that thing, and that oftentimes will generate a ton of you know a ton of looks. Yeah. Um, but it was very early in the thing. I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm blowing up. And I was like, Holy cow. <laughs> and that wasn't even the case at all. Like everything settled back down. And it, there was like the, there's like this one blip in my like analytics, this like one time that was like huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, like in terms of moments like that, not, it, it's always been a fairly steady, just kind of thing. Um, we're not huge you know, like Dorclair is not big. It's not terribly well known. Um, but we've just been kind of like this consistent presence for the last couple of years. Actually, we're going on three years now. Um, 
but still, yeah, it's there's not really a, a moment. I mean, I guess probably the biggest moment for me, for Door Claire for the podcast, is probably when we settled into me, Chris, and Larry. Um, yeah. Chris came on, I think, shortly after, probably around the time when you had come on, and I was uh, Brian, the one of the founders, who's actually got an amazing podcast now, the Six Scale Scavengers, um, Brian Fontaine. He he um, kind of left and started doing the the hot toys thing, and it was you know, kind of a transition time. And then when uh, Chris started coming on, and then Larry started coming on, and we really settled into that. Um, I'd say that's where Dorclair kind of became what it is. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, the first era of Dorclair was we went through pretty much the entire SH figure Star Wars line one at a time. Me and Brian. Eventually, we started incorporating other things, and now it's general. Um, and I think there's going to be a day when when it changes up a little bit. Like, I purposefully, I, like, very carefully picked the name Dorklair mm-hmm. um, to be open, to, to be something wide open. You know, um, it's not action figure podcast. It's not Mezco podcast. It's not. Um, you know, it's not any of those things. It's the door glare, which is so wide open, but I think it's a very um, apt name for a lot of any kind of content you might have in the, you know, in the fantasy sci-fi kind of world. That's smart, man. I I didn't even realize that you had intentionally done that. And that does kind of open you wide up to different opportunities and different things you want to maybe expand upon one day. So that's cool, man. And I love the dynamic you guys have with that, that trio of dudes that you guys always play off each other and you have different personalities. It's always so fun to hear all you guys chatting about toys and getting excited about whatever's going on in the community. So it's fun, man. Um, where do you kind of see the the podcast and the channel um, in 10 years, let's just kind of like look in the future. Like what's, what's your hopes and what do you want it to become? And what is your plan with this whole thing? I don't really have a plan. Um, I, I try to, th- I try to imagine like my entire life 10 years from now. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because 10 years from now is a lot different than 15 years from now because okay. So, so 10 years from now, my daughter will still be a kid, essentially. She'll, she'll be in high school, uh, and I'll still be a uh, professional. I will still be teaching. But uh, 15 years from now, my daughter will be an adult. She will be graduated from high school, and I will be retired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so like, it's like it's this weird thing where like there's a big difference between 10 years from now and, and 15 years from now. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so like I said, the door glare could become anything. And um, every once in a while, I change things up a little bit. Uh, who, who knows? Like the, the last uh, couple big Star Wars releases, like we actually did some episodes where we did some reviews. Like we went back and um we had a guest on and we reviewed uh the season of mandalorian and we did you know we did like some non-toy stuff and kind of mixed that in so i mean you never know eventually it could look a lot different i have this kind of sense that like collecting figures is not finite but it's it's gonna get to a point where it's like how much more can I collect? Like how, like 
how different is my collection going to look? You know, it's, it's always growing, right. But it can't grow forever. No. And like, how is it going to change? Am I going to sort of like boil down to like more like pre like a fewer number of like premium pieces? Am I going to, you never know. And like the way the collection changes is going to heavily influence the way my content changes. So yeah. it's really hard to say, but um, I definitely want to try to uh, focus down my collection a little bit because it's just, it's it gets crazy. Like there's a lot of stuff. Do you have everything displayed? Like everything you have? No. Um, no. I have a lot of stuff displayed. I have a lot of shelves and I keep adding shelves. Yeah. I do luckily have this room. Uh, it's my door clear. It's, it's a room that's dedicated. It's like an office, but it's pretty much dedicated to my collection. I have all nice. my books in here. I have my detoff cabinets that I'm sort of transitioning to six scale, which has really made a, a difference in sort of like the zenness of my room. Like, <laughs> like the, the, a detoff filled with six inch figures to me now feels like a, a giant pile or like a giant mess. But yeah. once I started switching it over to six scale, um, it looks so good. It looks so good. Just like one or two figures per shelf looks awesome. It fits um, so much better with that space. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And yeah. shorter shells, you know, shells with a smaller distance between them are much better for six inch figures. And so that's where I'm trying to put that stuff. But I just have too many figures to have on display and have it look halfway decent. So, you know, I'll rotate things in. I'll I'll take stuff down and I'll be like, oh, this has been boxed for a while. I, I think I'll, you know, let go of it and try to try to keep the, the madness down, keep it tamed a little bit. Nice. I always wonder, because, like, you, you're always coming up with new episodes i'm like i wonder if he's got everything displayed if he's got everything in boxes because like i'm i kind of like only have my mezco displayed and everything else like black series and figure arts are all in boxes like because it's just i can't keep up with keeping it all out and i try to use those for photos and so um that's interesting man i always like the, to hear the youtube channel did this weird thing to me um where so I, I really like displaying my figures in all these crazy dynamic poses and all these like action poses and stuff. But mm -hmm. like one of the things I do, like a lot of YouTubers do, is um, like compare figures. So like I'll take figures off my shelf and then put them next to the other figures. And like, you know, the, the process of reposing, um, you know, if I'm going to compare it to say like eight other figures, right? Like that's eight figures I got to unpose to get them to be sort of a vanilla pose for the video and then like repose and put them back on the shelf and it's like it becomes this thing where um i actually am more likely to leave things in vanilla poses or at least have like a basic library of figures that i kind of usually use yeah. in that sense and that can create a mess like i constantly creating content means i don't have as much time to like organize and you know, just kind of like play with with like my displays and and mess with things like that. But you know, it's a trade off. Yeah, it is. I I'm actually a vanilla pose guy. I I keep all my stuff vanilla. And just I I don't know why. I I've, I've tried at first when I got first got into Mezco keeping the dynamic poses and the stands and stuff. And it's like I don't know. Like I just I don't want to waste my because I can do that all day long if I wanted to. But it's like I've got so much other stuff I've got going on.
it's like I know exactly what you mean. Like when you're trying to create content, you're trying to like keep up with all this other stuff. It it's a time sometimes it's a time waster, but it's a very good time waster though. Posing figures is <laughs> yeah. it, it's nice to just carve out a half hour and just sit with a figure and pose. It's something I now that I, I'm like a little more into hot toys and like six scale stuff and that stuff demands a lot of attention for reposing and there's yeah. just a lot there's just a lot going on because there's a lot of fabric that you can move around and so many little it's almost like you're sculpting a, a you know a figure as you pose like a hot toy or even in some ways like mezco so that stuff can be a lot of fun it's just yeah you got to carve out some time and make it like your relaxing time or something yeah you do i'm one of those people i can't just pose it and not take a photo of it like are you one of those people because i can't just like i guess i've just kind of married the two like if i'm going to pose a figure i got to take a photo of it like how is your yeah outlook I'm, on that? I'm the same way i'm totally the same way <laughs> yeah uh, i'll like be messing around and posing it and just sitting on my desk maybe like watching something watching some youtube or something like that and just messing with a figure and then i'll be like oh wow this pose is awesome i better document it <laughs> and like <laughs> i'll go through it and then i'll be like okay maybe i want to put like some flame in here and you know some of my minimal uh <laughs> diorama stuff but yeah. uh yeah like, i i definitely am like that i'm 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 one of the people who will I'll, I'll media take a photo and then i'll load it onto my phone and i'll get it right up on instagram just to share <laughs> yeah exactly oh have you gotten your storm collectibles bane yet i was going to ask you no i actually ordered that on gamestop i think think like about a week or two ago they had okay. like their they had like their sale i think it was two weeks ago they had a sale on all collectibles yeah and so i ordered it but it was still in the pre-order phase so i don't gotcha. know i actually don't, i have no idea when that's coming because it's still just pre-order really that's weird because mine's already here from big bad um that's weird yeah i saw that right after my process i think i saw that it was on like you posted it was a sale and I was like, ah, man, uh, I, I wanted that figure so bad. I was like, it's okay. I didn't want to go through the whole process of like returning it or something like that just to save 20 bucks or something. But, um, but yeah, that, I was curious cause I know that that's your first, that's going to be your first storm collectibles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It's, it's not going to be my last though. I've already pre-ordered all the golden axe stuff. Oh, okay, cool. I, I want to get those skeletons too. Those look, that skeleton two pack that looks really good. That's a bargain. It's like it sixty is, bucks yeah. for two figures. Yeah, it is. It it's a really good deal, and I'm glad they're charging that because it's not a lot of plastic, and um, they can kind of hopefully that mold is easy to do new stuff. Yeah. Well, man, do you want to take a break and we can get right back to it? Yeah, sure. All right, we'll be right back with Toy Photocast and Lost Star Wars, a.k.a. Bill Junowski. Stay right there. The Toy Photocast is now a part of the Exclu Collective Network. Go to excludecollective.com to get all of your action figure news, tutorials, and everything you need to be able to be a part of this incredible community. That's excludecollective.com. Peace. Welcome back, everybody, to Toy Photocast with Mr. Bill Junowski. He is the moderator over at Dorklair and the head in chief, head editor in chief, I could say. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for 
for coming on the show and just spending some time with me today chatting about toys and everything you do. Yeah, I'm having a blast, man. Me too, man. So we, before we hit record, we're just talking about uh, an exciting event coming up that uh, by the time we actually edit this, Toy Fair may actually be over. And But anyways, yeah, so we're both going to Toy Fair and we're both super excited. Um, let's talk about your kind of predictions about what, what you're going to see there and what you're hoping to see. And since it's both going to be our first event, like just what you want to experience uh, going this year. I mean, it's going to be a learning experience for me. I know Toy Fair is a lot different than conventions. Um, I think there's a lot more sort of by appointment type um, things going on there. So I've been trying to make contacts. I've, uh, I'm actually, <clears throat> I've been in touch in the past with Boss Fight, and um, I'm super excited to to go to their booth. I already set up an appointment with Boss Fight and. Um, they, they're going to be, I, I, I don't, this is a prediction. They've been teasing their um, Flash Gordon stuff. And I'm kind of thinking they're going to have like uh, prototypes out, fully fully revealed prototypes out at Toy Fair. So I think that'll be really cool to see like what Boss Fight has going on next. Nice. Um, for people who aren't familiar, they do three and three quarter figures. They're, they're big, um, you know, original line, which I'm a big fan of. I'm a fan of like the stuff that, the prop that the companies own like mythic legions like gomez for mezco like the originals i really like that stuff and theirs is called vitruvian hacks and it's you know it's very much like a, a fantasy based line and but they're bringing into the same format they're bringing in some flash gordon stuff uh some like phantom uh and a few other things that they're going to be introducing in that scale so super excited to see um what they have i you know, I, I'll go to like the usuals. Like I obviously can't wait to hopefully be able to stop by the Mezco booth. Um, I'm, I have a wish. I don't really have a prediction for like what Mezco is going to reveal. Cause it's always okay. so, it's always so hard to predict with them. Yeah. But I really, and I, a lot of people wish this, but I really hope that they do an updated Superman figure. Yeah. Um, they've been just putting out so many really, really good justice league figures or characters that would be in the justice league that you know between um their new green lantern figure which is incredible and um uh their new aquaman and their new wonder woman like all that stuff it's all super vibrant great stuff for like a for like a uh, justice league display the only thing i'm missing i mean i a couple others like flash and green green arrow and stuff but um the key component that i'm missing is superman i just don't i don't have there's Superman. I didn't love it, so I ended up getting rid of it. But yeah, I yeah. hope they reveal a new Superman. I made a prediction on this podcast a while ago that, that we were going to see that this year. So hopefully that prediction comes true. <laughs> I really want a Superman too, man. Um, actually, one second, Bill. My computer. Hold on. Let me see. My computer's acting weird. It said it was dying. It's an older computer. One second. Let me go replug this in i think it came sure. out the wall okay one sec
think what happened was uh, my wife probably unplugged it. And so I was like, 10% battery, what? Because um, I got this setup where I'm in the closet that to kind of like dampen the sound because like my diorama workshop is like I got 3D printers going in there and it's, it's so yeah. loud. Um, so this is like the only place to do it but so is there like all clothes and stuff in there with you right now oh yeah dude it's it's packed in here it's a it's a walking good for the sound i mean it sounds really good (laughs) thanks yeah it's a walk-in closet and i've got like a blanket on the wall to kind of dampen the sound even more so um that's my that's something i'd like to do sometime is get some soundproofing materials in 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 my uh my office i'm sure my wife will love that but (laughs) yeah um that's actually really affordable on Amazon. I bought like uh, Amazon had some squares that you could buy for twenty bucks shipped, and it you can kind of like I had to I had to do it in my diorama room because it's so loud with those three D printers. Right. And uh, I just kind of I'm starting to col- amass a, a collection of sound panels to be able to make my neighbors not hate me. So, <laughs> are you um, are you connected? Are you like is it like an apartment or are you connected to? Yeah, I'm yeah. right. I live right above my neighbors. Oh, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but they're they're like like college kids, so like they're always like partying and stuff. So I don't think they really care that much. Right. But um, I just I like to try to be as as respectable as possible. But right. uh, anyway, so back to the toy fair thing. Um, yeah, man. I, I think for me, like my expectation with Mezco. Like, I'm really hoping that they either do a Superman or if they do, if they do a Batman variant of that new, uh, what's the one, Supreme, mm-hmm. if they do like an all black Supreme, I would be in for that, which they, that's kind of like expected, I guess, at this point. Um, yeah. But I want them, like, I want them to do that, uh, Mr. Freeze. Like, I really hope they come out and, put that up for pre-order soon like that mr freeze looks amazing it does yeah basically everything they do that has to do with batman is has been pretty awesome in my opinion the Catwoman's articulation is questionable but like besides that i i think most of the stuff has been awesome yeah i agree i don't have the Catwoman. i've never i've never owned one um i'm always waiting for a deal on it and there's always deals on it i don't know why i'm waiting like for just like a super deal like 40 bucks or something but uh maybe one day i you could probably find a loose one for 40 bucks i would imagine you think so yeah i, I would think this is the black suit Catwoman. yeah just the black suit Okay, I'll have to do something. And that's the way to get that figure anyways, is to get a used one. Because if you buy a brand new one, there's a chance that it's got the stuck joints. And buying a used Catwoman is the way to go. Gotcha. Okay, good to know. So uh, this is the segment that I like to kind of just take a look at the community and and kind of give a mentor moment. And I know both of us are kind of like gatekeepers in a sense of a lot of the content that goes out and. I always want uh, people like you um, who put out great content to kind of give a mentor moment. How can we make this place a better place and how can we continue to grow as a, a toy community, toy photography community and collecting community? Hmm, good question. So I, I definitely think that um, open sharing is a very good thing. Um, 
like be open to not just um not just sharing like your your behind the scenes and like all that stuff but in general sharing like join groups and be willing to like help each other out collecting wise mm-hmm. um you know there's nothing worse than like missing out on a figure and 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 just like you know suddenly the thing is skyrocketed in the aftermarket and you just can't find it or you know something like that where it's it's uh especially with mezcos like mezcos it's really good to be in a group because you know you miss one of those exclusives and it's really hard to find and it's it's nice to to know that somebody grabbed an extra and they're just going to have it um you know for for retail or whatever but but definitely like in terms of just sharing um i like to do a lot of like giveaways and stuff um I, I just really, I really like the idea of of people sharing their stuff, um, maybe making trades and being open to that kind of stuff in terms of like the collecting side of it. Yeah, um, yeah. the community part of it. I definitely think that we're in a weird place, like society wise, in terms of the way we approach conversations, especially online, where everybody has this mentality that no matter what it is an item in the news a new movie a new figure like anything like that it's everybody's concerned with winners and losers and Mm -hmm. everything is a winner or it's a loser Mm. and people love to get into arguments about what's the winner and what's the loser and they lose sight of actual conversations and they they like a lot of people i think um they mistake uh, petty arguing and bickering with uh, debate. <laughs> and <laughs> like, you can't have debate. Like a debate doesn't exist if you don't have respect. And so like, that's this kind of thing where I think a lot of our politics and like our, like just like online and social media oftentimes creates this like combative positioning for people and it's really difficult to enjoy conversations especially in larger groups online um but but yeah that's my advice is to try to like remember that not everything is a debate not everything is a challenge or some sort of like fact check just have a conversation and enjoy other people's company yeah i love that man yeah that's something that i don't engage in at all like that's just kind of my 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 stance on it's whenever i see it like if it's on my pages or if it's like like you said combative or people are just trying to be any any sort of way about it i just i delete and block i don't even think about twice but that's just me um i don't i don't like um having that sort of energy on my feed and it just it creates like I don't mind discussion and debate. Like I love that. Like I love like when I posted the Bane uh, on my one twelve page and just yes or no. Like what do you think? Like is this a good figure? And and I personally already know my opinion on it. Like I love the figure and I think it's great. I think he's massive. I think he's gonna crush my Batman. But it's like some people on there they it's weird, man. Like people they get like all up in arms sometimes about stuff. But um, I saw someone. I saw some people like like purposefully seeking out reviews of the um of the uh mafex uh wolverine like there were some early reviews where the like they were working on the review and then the arms fell off and it became this thing where like like people would attack reviewers 
what for 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 liking the figure as if they are trying to like uh shill for mafex or something like that like this weird thing like i've seen some really just nasty stuff in terms what? of like oh especially some of the larger youtube reviewers they just get like attacked for for liking something as if they are shilling or something like that it's just it's wild you know like that's the kind of like really combative stuff that people should like be aware of you know i think do you think we, these do ahead. you think these people are like adults or are they kids do you think they're starting these like petty arguments like uh, what do you think i i mean i can't really judge because i'm 43 years old so what's a kid to me is kind of <laughs> fuzzy you know what i mean um, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. You know, a 25 year old is a kid to me, but, you know, to other people, not so much. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, like, say if it's a kid or not. But I I do think so. I do think there's a I think there's like a at least a childish mentality that goes with those kinds of things. I think a lot of people, they like easy things mm-hmm. and it's easy to latch on to hive mind type um uh, reactions and to kind of like latch on to easy things like oh the there's like an arm that comes off easily so let me latch onto that and now that's this simple kind of criticism that i can have and it's you know like i think people have lost sight of what the word criticism means but then they go in and and there's there's no there's no gray area it's like this is objectively a garbage figure and I'm going to go attack anybody who thinks it's not, you know, it's like, yeah, not that simple. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, I think in that way, it's a bit of a childish mindset. Yeah, for sure. It, it takes a, like a, a discerning collector to kind of appreciate the things that you that you like about a figure and also realize, yeah, there's some things I like, some things I don't, but overall you can make, unless it's just like, um, like that one, that figure arts Django fit that just falls apart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's, it's, I think it's a mindset thing. I think people oftentimes like take their work environment or their like family life and they just like, just take it out on, stuff like this like people are who are trying to enjoy these things and and make the most of it like and they just oftentimes these people have like uh, and maybe it's self-inflicted maybe it's some from other things going on and they just they just use this as a platform to just spread their disgust with their own self like you know what i mean like maybe (laughs) projecting yeah yeah like they're just this is their platform to just just i don't know but i i personally if I'm having one of those days, I just don't get on social media because I don't want to spread that to anybody. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I one of my flaws is that I I sometimes have a hard time ignoring when people are being jerks, and I <laughs> I step in and like call it out sometimes, and it just doesn't ever end well in those situations. Um, yeah, but yeah. I was thinking about like another thing that connects to this is like there's like this mentality that a lot of collectors have where they want to have their cake and eat it too. Um, Like they want to, especially like in groups again, they want to like really hold the companies accountable and call out when something is not to their satisfaction. Yeah. But at the same time, they want to have the thing. And 
when it really comes down to it, the, the only way to sort of object is to just not buy it. And for a lot of people, that's almost like not an option, I think. It's it's this weird thing where they really want to hold the company accountable, but the one power they have to do that, they're unwilling to exercise. And so they come on the internet and, you know, this sort of like um, public shaming, essentially, like this, this kind of approach that they think is going to work and make changes when, you know, if the stuff's selling, it's selling. Like it's not going to really make that much of a difference that you're crying about it um but i do think that carefully written polite emails with actual criticism not hatred and 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 complaining are actually can be helpful you know Um, i agree they're gonna they're gonna take that much more seriously than they are some guy who whines about every single release i feel like that's why they stopped doing like uh their and I don't know if they still do this, but like Mezco stopped doing their like, like meet and greets kind of thing because like a lot of people are just like complaining and like bashing little tiny things. Like, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I do wish they were a little bit more open and engaging, but I, I also don't blame them when that's the environment. But uh, I think that directly uh, has to do with Mez and like his whole philosophy of like he just doesn't. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't put it on his radar. Like he knows like if there's like a, obviously a glaring defect or a fault, like he's got to fix that. But like when it's just preference, like people are just bashing because of preference. Like he just doesn't, it doesn't even, I don't think it gets on his radar. Like it just doesn't let him yeah. uh, frustrate him, which I understand. Like if I had a company that big and a, and a massive cult following, like he does, like you, at the end of the day, like you have to trust your own judgment and make decisions. You feel like you're best for the company and, and try to put out products that are great products. Like I, the one thing I like about Mezco the most, I think is that they try at least to put out things that, uh, that he's really, really happy with. And if he's not happy with it, he's not going to put it out. Like he's just not going to, he's not going to ship it. And I think, um, I think more companies should take that kind of philosophy. Yeah. They, they, they have quality stuff and it, you know, it might not please everyone all the time, um, but it sure as heck pleases me most of the time. I, I generally like all their stuff. And I'm even I'm even super pumped about their five points line. Like that yeah. that stuff, like that little Gomez is a sharp little figure. And I'm I'm excited to see um, you know, the other stuff that comes out in that because I I really like that format. I think that they've taken something that's been popular for a while and and made it like high quality rather than sort of mm. just you know mimicking old sort of outdated crappy figures that are taking a, an old format and updating it for now like that that line is really cool yeah it is i'm not the i'm not the market for the five points but i know a lot of people love that stuff and it's going to be really cool to see hopefully that line takes off and and they can do more stuff with that yeah so man um this is the part of the show where we can just we can just open end it, man. Whatever you want to talk about, if you want to talk about podcasting or if you want to talk about uh, whatever's on your mind, man, just let it roll. I actually, um, speaking of podcasting, I I recently changed the way I record. Um, yeah. I started using ZenCaster. Okay, which is really cool. And what ZenCaster does is 
kind of gives you a little bit of the best of both worlds. Like kind of the ideal situation is everybody's going to record a separate track on their own. And then the editor is going to put it all together. Right. Hmm. Um, Like that's kind of the ideal thing. And I've tried it in the past and I've had issues with levels. Uh, But what Zencaster does is it's an online thing that records your audio. It records each person's separate audio locally on their computer and then uploads it once you sort of stop you hit like stop record um so i think we've done three episodes two or three episodes now with it and the results i've been very impressed with the results so zencaster is pretty cool there's like a paid option where it'll it'll like sort of combine them like do sort of an auto edit type thing where it'll combine them for you but it's super easy to just combine them on your own and and it's free um so i've actually been enjoying zencaster so for podcasters out there who are looking for some things um that's that's a good one i was on the uh i was on the force material podcast uh which i highly recommend for star wars fans it's incredible and they introduced me to that it's it's a good it's a good uh podcasting tool Awesome, man. Thank you. I, that is something I'm going to look into myself because I feel like Skype is, it, it frustrates me more than it helps me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. So with uh, Zencaster, um, you said there's a paid option and, and there's a free option. So you don't have to, you don't have to pay for it if you don't want to. Right. Uh, okay. the, you just get fewer features, but okay. the basic thing is it records your separate tracks and then you can download them and that's free. And uh, that's what I've been using. And it's, it's cool too, because like uh, you don't need an, you're the people you're going to have on don't need an app. So you create a session, like you create a podcast episode or whatever in Zencaster's uh, web browser application and then you create a link and you just send that to the person who's going to record with you. And then they just click that link. Um, they, I, they might need a, an account, but like, you know, they, they pretty much just click that link and then get in. And there's not really, they don't have to like install anything. Um, it's, it's very easy. It's very nice. Is the audio files like they're recording in, does it, is it a different type of format that they're like the file? Because like, I know MP4 is what's, uh, Skype always gets downloaded as, and then you have to like, I have to like translate into MP3 or a wave and then edit it in that and then uh, tra- transfer it after that. But, um, I, I'm trying to re- remember what those down, I think they download as MP3s. Um, MP3s. Hang on a let me see. Sure. Uh, yeah, those download as MP3s. Okay. That's yep. interesting. I'm gonna check that out, man. So, what do you do with your podcast? Because this is what I do. Like I download, like I said, through Skype, MP4. Then I edit it in Audacity. And mm-hmm. then after Audacity, I upload it to Anchor. And Anchor distributes it uh, automatically, which is so nice. But how do you kind of uh, do your podcast and how do you get it out to every every all the different medias? Very similar process, uh, slightly different tools, but it's pretty much the same process. Like I'm not, I don't use a mixer or anything like that. Like I, you know, it's just a straight up recording like you're doing. Um, so I, I do that thing with, you know, I used to do this. So we're on Skype right now. We're recording on Skype 
and I used to do that and then same process. So that file, that would be one single file that would go, I would, instead of audacity, I'm using GarageBand cause I'm on a Mac. Um, okay. and, but it's, you know, basically you're going to have the same features. It's just an audio editor. Right. Uh, and so, yep. So I edit it on there and now what I have, because I'm getting three separate files is when I go to do my edit, I can tweak things. So like if I'm talking and Larry's articulating a figure and making all sorts of sound on his side, I can just turn his volume down while he's not talking. You know, I can adjust the volumes of the different, the three different tracks and stuff, you know? So it gives me a lot more control, gives me more work to do, but also a lot more control over the sound quality. Um, So so I edit it in there and um, like you probably do and put in the theme song and all that stuff, export it as an MP3 file, upload it. And I use Libsyn, Liberated Syndication. And it's probably very similar to, uh, what's the one you use again? Anchor. Yeah, Anchor. Yeah, I mean, it, it creates an RSS feed and I can plug in the various, you know, Spotify, iTunes, like all those things. It's, you know, you kind of set it in the beginning and forget it. And each time it publishes, um, you know, it goes out to there. And then I also publish a post to retrozap.com. And, um, you know, it's everything's on there with links and description and stuff like that. Nice. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. I. I'm always curious to see how people do this because I want to upgrade our process. And I feel like I'm, I feel like uh, sometimes I feel like I'm a dinosaur in a, and in, in a amusement park or something, but, um, it's cool. So dude, thank you again for coming on the show. And, uh, I appreciate you just kind of giving your, your story and everything you do, man. And I really appreciate the incredible content you put out over on the door, Claire, and it's always engaging. It's always fun. So let everybody know how they can engage with that on social media and everything you're doing. So the best place you can find me is on Instagram at the door, Claire. I've kind of abandoned, I actually haven't posted to lost star Wars in months. Um, but yeah, so the door, Claire, on Instagram, there's a there's a girl named Claire out there. Claire, you have the you have door Claire, and I want it, but <laughs> I'll, I don't think I'll ever get it because uh, she's uh it's a um, private account. But uh, yeah, so the door Claire, and then on Twitter, I'm just door Claire. You know, we have you can search up the door Claire uh, Facebook. We have a door Claire Facebook group, all that stuff. I'm on retrozep.com. Um, we're actually, the, if you just go to doorclair.com, it takes you right to our page. On that page, I have a very detailed checklist for all the Mezco 112 Collective releases. It's a fairly well-known checklist in the community, and it can be really handy. And um, yeah, so the podcast is on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. And so find me pretty much everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. oh, and, the, and the YouTube channel, of course. And that's at Dorclair, just Dorclair on YouTube? Yep, just search Dorclair on YouTube. Gotcha. Cool. I love that checklist, man. I've used it a lot, so I really appreciate the, the time you put into that. 
Um, and you can find me at Dagobah underscore days. You can find the Toy Photo Cast on Instagram at Toy Photo Cast. You can find our Mezco 112 Collective feature page at 1.12.collective and the Star Wars feature page at Star Wars Toy Picks on Instagram. And remember, everybody, we are storytellers. Get out there, tell your story, shoot some toys, have some fun, and listen to the Dork Lair, man. They are amazing, and you will not regret it. So have a good day, everybody. Peace.